Morning, everyone. Mark's my name. We're glad you're here. You take your seat and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. We want to welcome people joining us on the internet. We're glad that you're with us today. We're continuing in a series in the Old Testament, and we're on the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel. Here's the truth. God longs to hear your voice. Do you know that? He longs to speak to you and hear your voice. I love it when I can talk to my kids. I love the same thing. They always say, hi, Dad. It's just, just to hear their voice sometimes and all that's wonderful. Better yet, have them rotten grandkids just say, Papa, how you doing? It's wonderful. God loves to hear your voice. And many times we think, well, he doesn't really think much about me and I haven't lived up to a certain standard and who am I that he would be in any way interested in talking to me? It's heresy. He loves you. I want to talk about prayer today out of 1 Samuel. Much of what can, I can talk out of 1 Samuel chapter 3 is what not to do because it's just a mess in the middle of that chapter 3 stuff. And uh, Anyhow, we want to talk a little bit about that. Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 3, if you are able, please stand. We're going to read the first 10 verses. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli, and in those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place, and the lamp of the Lord had not gone out yet. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark was, and the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here am I. And he ran to Eli and said, Here am I. You called me? And Eli said, No, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So they went and lied down. Again, the Lord said, Samuel. Samuel got up and ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. He said, Son, I didn't call you. Go to bed. Lay down. Now, Samuel did not know the Lord. Notice this. He did not know the Lord or the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. He needed to learn this. Verse 8. The Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went back to Eli again and said, Here I am. You called me. And Eli realized it was God who was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lay down. If he calls you again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went back and lay down on his place. And the Lord stood there and called him as he did it the other time. Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. We want to do the same. Your servants are listening. Lord, our commitment is before you even speak to us, whatever we hear from you, the answer is yes. We want to obey you. And so speak to your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> Stay in the book of Samuel. Go back to chapter 1, starting in verse 1. There was a certain man lived in Ramatha, and I could go through this. There's so many uh, different ways of saying these names. I'm just, I'm not going to hurt it. Here's the point. This guy is from Bethlehem. He has two wives. That's a problem. One of them has no children. And the other one with all the children is mocking the one without the children. You get the picture? That's the picture of the, that is important to understand the family of Samuel. First, some lessons from Hannah. Hannah, her husband is Elkanah, and it's a polygamous family. The Old Testament never says that's a good thing. It never says that. Some people say it does. 
God tolerates this in, this in us the same way that He tolerates certain things in you and me as we stand or sit right now. It's not the way He wants it. He tolerates it. The Old Testament is overtly condemned, doesn't overtly condemn this practice, but it's obvious in Genesis chapter 2 there is a oneness that needs to happen between one woman and one man. And this is wrong. It's actually pagan practice in that the people of God have, have ingrained into their culture. And they're wrong. One author put it this way. What is the punishment for having two wives? Having two wives, that's right. <laughs> and it's the same for having two husbands. Trouble. As I said, Diane, isn't that, what do you, I mean, you're a woman. What do you think of this? Craziness, she said. It's taken me so long just to train you. I do not want to do another one. <laughs> Hannah and Paniah were not friends. They shared the same husband, but they were not friends. Paniah mocked Hannah because Hannah could not have a baby, and, and Paniah had all kinds of them. And yet, Hannah was the one that was loved by the husband, not Paniah. So Paniah hurt other people because she was hurt. It's interesting. I, I, I wish I had some time to go off on that, but I can't. Hannah showed no sign of striking back, but she got depressed and she wept and she did not eat and she prayed. And we want to learn from her prayer. Elkanah said in one, one time, um, verse 8, um, I mean, he needs to take some classes on how to be Mr. Sensitivity. Hannah, uh, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you so down, your heart downcast? Verse 8, don't, don't I mean more to you than ten sons? No. He didn't get it at all. And he's the one guy I want to talk about in the very first point. There's eight or nine points that I've got on the outline there. If it helps you follow along, that'd be great. First thing we need to do if we're going to pray correctly is listen. We have to listen before we pray. Elkanah didn't know how to listen. He assumed the solution was himself. It wasn't himself. It was a baby. And only God gives babies. This is what you need and what I need and when and everything else. And I have found in studying this passion, this passage, I'm often like him. I've got an answer. I know how to fix it. We don't need to pray and listen to what God wants. Let's get to it. There's a problem. The key thing to answering prayer or praying is to know what God wants us to pray about and how He wants us to pray. But often we don't because we're in a rush. You cannot pray if you do your life in the HOV lane. You cannot. Because you have to quiet yourself. It's one of the hardest things in my life that I do in prayer. The Jews have learned some lessons over these years. In Job chapter 2, Remember Job's friends? They showed up in the carnage of Job's life and they sat quietly for three days. Remember that? And then they blew it. What did they do? They started talking. Sometimes you and I need to understand that it's not when there's no talking going on and it gets quiet. Many of us, me is one of them. I should say, I am one of them. Somebody say something, hurry. Be quiet. And get space and time for God to speak into the silence of our lives. Remember, He speaks as a still, small voice. He doesn't blowhorn things. Still, small voice. And we will only hear Him if we slow down and if we are obedient. We're going to talk about that today. 
Secondly, we need to be honest. Verse 10 and 11 talks about there's is in, in her misery. It talks about she poured out her soul. She was deeply troubled in anguish and grief. She talked. She was honest with God. Sometimes I get a little sick at the floweriness of some of our prayers. And I think we think that we have to pray a certain way and make it sound good. God wants honesty. I remember there's three of us. Myself, an older Christian like me, and a brand new Christian, maybe two weeks old in the faith. And he prayed, the older Christian, and I prayed. And I can still remember him, cut one eye open, like, my turn? Not your turn. This is what he said. God, I am so blank and blank and mad at you. And I thought, oh, 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 don't miss and hit me. <laughs> I was dead wrong. God loves truthfulness. Now, maybe you could use some different language. Okay. But God loves truthfulness way more than anything else. Men and women, we need to be truthful on what's going on in our lives, being honest with ourselves, because many times when we pray, especially with others, we're not honest. Oh, how are you? Fine. No, we're not. We're broken and sometimes twisted and hurting, and we cover it up when we pray together. It's not the way of Jesus. He wants us to be honest. Thirdly, never stop praying. I've written all of these so you could make those commitments if you wanted to, and, and all those, those eight points if you're interested in that, and I hope you do. But never stop praying. Chapter, chapter 1, verse, verse 12, first part of that. She wept and kept on praying to the Lord. Sadly, I have many times stopped praying far too soon. I understand there's many times God answers before we even ask, but there's some times that He waits, and it's a long time until we get an answer. There's yes, there's no, and there's not now. And many times I have failed when I haven't persisted in prayer. It says in Luke 18, seeing that, Je that Jesus uh, saw that his disciples needed to learn a lesson. He talked to them and gave them this story about persisting in prayer. I need that in my life. Because many times, as action-oriented as I am, I go to the next item and the next issue and the next issue. And sometimes I forget to persist in prayer over issues in my life or in my family's life. Hannah never stopped praying for years. Actually, the verse 15, it talked about, it says she was deeply troubled, which really means tough-minded or persistent. She was tough-minded and persistent when she prayed with God or to God. Number four, pray the way God made me. This doesn't make sense, but it's very, very, it's, it's, it's critical that you understand this. She prayed. If I, if I said now, let's pray together, some of you would close your eyes, hold, fold your hands, bow your head. We just do that because that's how we pray. Jews, if we say, it's time to pray, they stand up and start praying out loud. And you think, you're, you're not being orderly. They don't care. They stand in God's presence. They often say to me, why do you as Christians sit in God's presence when you're addressing God? You, you, he, he's, 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 he's God. You, you have to stand or kneel. Folks, pray the way that God has made you to pray. Here's how he hasn't made me to pray. You put me in a big, nice, pillowy uh, uh, chair with a blanket and a fireplace on, give me three minutes and I'm snoring. Simple as that. That is not the way for me to pray. 
I need to move. And often I pray. In fact, they mock me a little bit in my office. Sometimes guys come in and we're making decisions on stuff, and I'll start pacing. This is kind of just who I am. It helps me focus. Whatever helps you focus, do that. Don't look at someone else's life and try to mimic them. If God wanted to do that, He would have made you twins. He didn't. So don't do that. Some of you need music. Some of you, music distracts you. Some, need to, some of you pray on the, on, the, on the train into Vancouver. Now, you don't close your eyes and all that stuff, but you just sit and pray. You've told me about this. I would be too distracted at that. Some of you pray when you're, in, you're driving your car. Please keep your eyes open. Some of you pray while you run. Some of you are joggers. Lord help you, but you're joggers. And you like that. And you like that because that's your prayer time. Good. Some of you as mothers have a heart. You pray when your little ones can, are snoozing or something else because you can't while they're with you. Find, depending on who you are and the state you are in your life, pray the way that God has made you to pray. Number five. Believe God when you pray. In verse 17 and 18, somehow her interaction with Eli, Eli's the high priest, she knew that God was going to give her a a son. And so she ate and she went on believing that she knew that God was going to give her a son. Remember in Mark chapter 9, verse 24, the disciples, there's this demonized child and the father came and said to Jesus, if you can, will you please heal him? And Jesus, I think he was a little miffed, not quite sure. He said, what do you mean, if I can? And this man immediately said, Lord, I believe. What was the next part? Help me in my unbelief. You have no idea the number of times I pray that prayer. I'm old enough to have seen a lot of things in ministry And I have to tell you, folks, when I see things in ministry and it was like what happened before and I know now I can ask by faith because I've seen God do that before. It builds my faith. And I pray with faith. When I haven't seen it, sometimes I'm a big baby. You and I learn faith by seeing God do certain things. Either right in our lives or we hear of what God is doing in other people's lives. And that needs to build our faith. And we need to say to Jesus, often, I believe, but help me in the areas of unbelief as I pray. Number six, pray and do my part. The belief is for some people, and it's dead wrong, all I need to pray and then I sit around and do nothing. For those of you that need a job, do you have a resume done? Then don't pray until you get your resume done. There's certain things that you must do for God to answer your prayer. It isn't that you sit around and snooze and God does the whole thing for you or you, you kind of throw up your hands and say, oh, prayer doesn't work. Prayer at times, the, the most active-oriented people are the prayer warriors that I've seen. They see what's going on, they know what's going on, and they'll do certain things as God has revealed for them to do them. Don't pray and sit there and do nothing. In fact, it says verse 19. Let's read it. Early the next morning they rose, worshipped before the Lord, went back to their home in Ramah, and Elkanah lay with his wife Hannah, and the, God re- and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. They called him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. 
When we pray for people who can't have babies, I usually say this at the very end. It's jokingly. We've done our part to pray. Now you do your part. There's our part when we pray. Because sometimes we just sit and think that God's doing everything. God doesn't operate that way. Seven, wait for God's timing. It says, in the course of time, verse 20, I have no idea how long that is. It might have been nine months. It might have been a few years and nine months. I don't know. I'm not sure. But don't give up. Don't give up. Lastly, chapter 2, most, most of that chapter is spent, the first half anyhow, is spent on the prayer of Hannah after she, when she's rejoicing in what God has done. It didn't, hardly any verses are given on how she prayed. But she, this whole thing about how she was thankful was critical. We need to be thankful as we pray. And when we're not thankful, we're not being faith-filled. Moms, probably the number one question that you ask your kids, what do you say? And what do they say? Thanks. We need to teach them to say thanks. We need to be teaching our, ourselves and learning how to pray. There needs to be a thankful part. Let me tell you a story, true story. Different church, not this one. And as I was preaching... A lady over here about two rows from the back was sitting here, and it was like one of those spotlights just was on her. I've never seen this before, never seen it since. And I'm preaching, and you have no idea that little voice that's going off in my head when I'm preaching. I'm looking over thinking, what in the world is that? And I'm preaching on the ten lepers. Remember that one? Ten lepers. Jesus sends them away. In their going away, God heals them. And only one of the ten comes back and says, thanks. Only one. We need to be a thankful people when we pray. That was the whole deal. And I'm preaching on this, going hard. And over here is this spotlight thing. And I'm thinking, Lord, that's weird. And then, and then the lady that it was on, this little Filipino lady, she kind of starts wiggling like this. And I thought, she's uncomfortable. Like something's happening. If that's you, Lord, pour it on. She came up afterwards and said, Pastor, I, I don't know what to say to you. All I said when you said that what you needed to, we need to be thankful is, I'd be thankful if you gave me a baby. And she said it was like someone started pouring warm oil on the top of my head. I think God's touched me. I didn't know what to say. I don't have to remember what I said. Probably, who knows? Until nine months later, that little girl was born. And they couldn't have a baby before, but they had that one. Every time that little Filipino kid was running around the church, it bolstered my prayer life. The elders weren't even asked to pray. I didn't ask to pray. She didn't really pray. She just said, I'd be thankful. And she was thankful. And God did a miracle. You and I need to be thankful as we pray in spite of what we see is going on, it's a faith step to be thankful. If I had more time, I'd love to dial into that. Here's some things that are happening in our church. Again, 2020 in our vision is prayer. We need to hear God's voice and obey His voice. There's an intercessors ministry that is starting to get involved. And those of you that are intercessors need to be involved in this. 
There's staff and elders focus that's on prayer. There's the gathering that has been talked about today once a month. There's prayer in small groups that are happening. And Monday evening, there's going to be a prayer time on a weekly basis starting soon. You watch the announcements for that. You need to get involved in these things. There's a hearing God class so you can start understanding whether it's the voice of God or too much pizza. When it is the voice of God, you and I need to obey it. There's a training course coming in prayer ministry that's coming soon. Our shepherding elders, are the, the more of them are praying for you and with you. There's lists of things that can be done. You need to be involved. And don't wait for just someone else to be involved. You need to be involved as well. Now, the story of Hannah is over. Eli was born. Sorry, uh, Samuel was born. But there's other things going on. And really quickly, I just need to see the Hophni and Phinehas, chapter 2, verse 12, were two sons of the high priest Eli, and they were evil. They were stealing money from from the temple. They were sexually abusing women that were working in the temple. They were just evil. And Eli had no guts to say, boys, get out. All he said was, what you're doing is not a very good thing. A word to parents. A word to people who are organizational leaders and owners of of businesses. There's times that you need to do stand up for what is right and good. I don't mean that we need to be pushy Christians. I do think that we need to punish where it needs to be, where punishment needs to be there. And when God puts you in a place of, of authority, He's done that for a reason. Eli took no action at all when his his sons were doing great evil in the very worship place of Israel. You and I need to do different and better. A couple points. Power and position can corrupt us as leaders, even as parents. Sometimes we're given responsibility and we don't do anything with it. Secondly, parents and leaders must have courage to confront wrong wherever and whenever we find it. Many parents just turn their head away. I don't want to know about my kid because if I do, I'll have to do something about it. It's going to take courage. We need to realize we don't negotiate with terrorists or toddlers. It's as simple as that. We commit ourselves to being responsible in our wake of our life to be goodness and truthfulness, not evil. A friend of mine was wanted to diversify. He's quite a wealthy dude. And he's diversifying by buying garages. One of the garages that he bought, he wrote it right into the, into the uh, offer, purchase to offer, that certain things were going to happen differently. One was that the porn that was hanging on all the walls in this, in this garage place was done and gone. Or, the, gra- or the, the mechanics that were working there that put, these, uh, that put this stuff up would be gone. And he said, I don't want to fire them because they're good mechanics, but I will not. Have, have people drive into here and look at that and think that's a representation of me or this business establishment. Now, he could have said, well, you know, mechanics, they kind of have their own space, and I think we just need to leave that. We need to do good and make sure good and righteousness happens in the influence areas around us. Parents, God has put you in charge of your kids. They need to be good. And in the way that God will lead you, lead them in goodness. 
Now I want to talk for a few minutes on actual Samuel and chapter 3, starting in verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Now later it talks about he did not know the voice of God. Do you know the voice of God is learned? None of you became Christ followers and immediately understood the voice of God. Many, many times the voice of God is misunderstood by well-meaning Christians. And so we need accountability in our lives. We need fences in our lives to make sure that we don't go wacky on this. But the truth of the matter is God speaks, and you and I need to know what He sounds like and how we know it's God's voice, not too much pizza. So, folks, I just refer you down to that chapter 3, verse 9. Eli, in great wisdom, he may, he may not have been a good high priest, and he was a terrible dad. In this, he got it right. And Eli said, Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. And he taught that to Samuel, and it transformed Samuel's life. Let me talk for just a minute to those of you that know the voice of God. You need to pass that on to other people who are around you, that are in your small group, that you're just friends with, sitting beside each other. You need to pass on the amazing gift of knowing the voice of God to our young people, to our young adults, to your kids and grandkids, that they would know when it's God speaking. We have a Hearing God seminar that I believe is going to be one of the key th keys in our lives as we open up more health and more impact from our church. And we're going to put that on video so you can have it in your small groups and walk through and understand how can each of us recognize the voice of God in our lives. Well, here's some lessons. You will learn the voice of God from others. Very few of us hear and learn the voice of God alone. We need to, it's a humbling thing because we need to make ourselves accountable to others. Secondly, speak, Lord, for your servant. There's a humility that comes as the beginning point to hear the voice of God. There's, we need to need who God, we need God to speak into, our, into us. We need to ask for His wisdom and recognize that we are the servants of God, and when He speaks, we need to be ready to obey Him. And that's the last part. We need to obey. Sometimes, in this case, God asks that Samuel does a very hard thing at a very young age. But God gave him the help, gave him the insight and the courage and the obedience so that Samuel could do what very few people would like to do. God used him. Chapter 3, starting in verse 19, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. And God let none of his words fall to the ground. It's a picture of a spent arrow that gets lost in the high grass and never and misses its mark and never has any impact one way or the other. He, God himself, made the words of Samuel do something for the kingdom of God. That's exactly what we want to be as people. We need to follow and choose God's promptings. Now, I had previously thought what I need to do 
is, is go through chapter 4 and 6. There's a wonderful principle in chapter 7, verse 12. There's another one in chapter 8, verse 19. And if I'm correct, God said, no. You've talked enough about praying. Why don't you just pray? So let's just pray. Please close your Bibles. I'd like to walk you through a silent prayer. Don't, don't talk out loud, please. But silently, I'd like to walk you through. If you're by your spouse or a good friend, you could quietly pray together. That would be great. But especially for people that are learning to pray, let's pray silently today. And let's ask God to work deeply in our lives. And then I'd like if, if you could kind of follow along and maybe use this as a way that you can pray all the time. Let's pray together. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, we pray that you would lead us in this prayer. I feel like the disciples who said to you, Jesus, teach us to pray. May this be a teaching time from you to us. And so in quietness, say to the Lord, Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And in the quietness of this time, ask that God speak whatever he'd like to talk to you about in your inner being. Before we ask anything, Jesus, we ask that you would speak. Give some great joy. Give others direction on how they need to repent. Give us great gratitude and thanksgiving. May the wonder level be given to some that the God of the universe can listen to us. We humble ourselves in your presence and we listen. thank the Lord for what he's done. Thank him for your health. Thank, her, thank him for your church family and your physical family. Thank God for freedom spiritual freedom and political freedom. Thank God for protecting you. Giving you spiritual gifts.
there's anything that you need to repent of, tell him you're sorry. And ask that he forgive. If there's any good that he is asking you to do, commit now to doing that as soon as possible. there's a relationship that you need to fix, apologize and tell him you will as quickly as possible make it right. Give him your fears today, your anxieties. Ask for his peace. Pray for your leaders today. God for his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness. Some of you are in tough situations, ask for his help. truthfully to him about this. Lord, what a privilege it is to be quiet with brothers and sisters and to be able to pray together. May this be a place, a house of prayer for all people. Continue to build prayer in our elders and our staff, our small group leaders, our shepherding elders, our children's ministry, our youth ministry. We pray for people that are in divorce care and grief share. Heal these folks from the deep sadness that many face. Many are celebrating births and accomplishments and all kinds of neat things in our life. We give them to you as the good gifts that you often shower upon us. We say thank you. You're the giver of life. 
Lord, as we go from here, may others know that you are God. May your word that we will read come alive again in our lives. Change us. Continue to work in us and through us for your glory. May your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Use normal people like us for your glory and for the good of this area. We want you to know that we love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you, God the Father. In Jesus' strong name we pray. Amen.